0: to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Valeria interviews Lisa Druxman, the author of The Empowered Mama, How to Reclaim Your Time and Yourself While Raising a Happy, Healthy Family. Lisa Druxman is the founder of fit for mom the nation's leading company for pre- and postnatal health, wellness, and fitness programs for every stage of motherhood. Fit4Mom has created business opportunities for moms nationwide, with more than 300 franchisees in 1,000 locations across the U.S. In addition to leading her team at Fit4Mom, Lisa is a noted speaker, author, podcaster, and powerhouse of energy. A self-proclaimed mom boss, Lisa is passionate about paying it forward and empowering other women in life and business. Druxman is also the author of a new book with life strategies for moms, The Empowered Mama, How to Reclaim Your Time and Yourself While Raising a Happy, Healthy Family. Druxman earned her master's degree in psychology with an emphasis in exercise adherence and weight control from San Diego State University. She created the weight management program Lean Mommy, Learn Eating Awareness and Nutrition, which is also the name of her first book. Druxman lives and relishes the Fit for Mom mission statement every day, helping moms make strides in fitness, motherhood, and life. She resides in San Diego with her husband, son, and daughter. Meet Lisa at fitformom.com. Here is the interview with Lisa Druxman.
0: In your own words, who is Lisa Druxman?
2: I am a mom. I'm a mom on a mission. That's in my own words. I'm mom to Jacob and Rachel and leading a company called Fit for Mom.
0: Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, the empowered mama, how to reclaim your time and yourself while raising a happy, healthy family. I have these warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off-record. And for you, this one had to be the first one. What does it mean to be a mother?
2: Oh, you know, I see motherhood and leadership very much in the same line. You know, I, I being a business owner, you know, we study a lot about leadership, but I think moms need to realize the impact they have at leading their family. I think that... We are very much raising the next generation of leaders and we're raising the next generation. So I think being a mom in some ways is the goal for me is to live my life as I one day want my kids to live their life. How wonderful. I love that
0: answer. Yeah. I have three questions for you related to life itself. What is life to you, Lisa?
2: (laughs) It's funny that you ask that because, you know, I think I spent a good part of my life looking to achieve happiness and joy. And while all of that is lovely, I'm really starting to learn to embrace the struggle and realize that that is very much part of the experience and part of what helps you grow and part of what gives you great gratitude for the things in your life. So it's quite a journey. It's a big, big question.
0: Yeah. I love your answer about embracing everything, not pushing away the challenges of life. Right. And my follow up question is, what do you think is the opposite of life?
2: That's funny. I mean, these are really big, big questions in life. Right. And the first word that came into my head was closed and fear. The opposite of life right now that I'm seeing is people living their lives looking at someone else's life. And what I mean by that is looking at screens and social media instead of going out there and having their own experiences.
0: It resonates true to me. Yeah, very much, (laughs) very much. And my third question about life is, what do you think is the purpose of life, the human experience? I would like
2: to think that the purpose of life is to be the change that we want to see, that the purpose of life is to leave it better than we found it, Mm -hmm. to leave a legacy.
0: Beautifully said, yes. And my next two questions relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love
2: most about being a woman? I love being a woman. (laughs) I like, I... (laughs) I'm enamored with being a woman. I'm enamored with uh, the female body and the female energy and the female cycle and system. Again, what some people might look at like menstrual cycle and cramps and all of the things as like being the negatives of a woman. I think of that as this juicy gift and how connected we are to earth and the fact that our bodies are able to give life I think is so incredible I truly believe in the power of women I just want women to realize the incredible power that's within them and to step into that yeah what is the most
0: challenging aspect about being a woman
2: yeah I don't know that I don't know that all women are gonna like my answer on this um I didn't have these questions ahead of time. So you know, <laughs> I'm, curious, I'm curious if I had them ahead of time, if I would have answered differently. But what's, you know, sharing what's just bubbling up for me. And I think it is very much part of our female nature to be caretakers. And that can be caring for our family, caring for for people, caring for our home. And I think we're living in a very male-driven, testosterone-driven world where going to work in a traditional way and all of that is somewhat against our nature. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't be successful business leaders, owners, you know, like, but I think we need to find our way that suits our feminine nature that's not just fitting into a man's world. Cause I think that that's really hard. I agree a hundred percent.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a thousand times to that. What do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision
2: for a new reality? I mean, I think that our greatest need is human connection and coming together. And, um, I would like to think in this new world, if we can't come together in the same in-person types of communities, that those communities can be built, you know, virtually or in new ways or socially distanced. But it's scary to me because a lot of how we come together online, you think of the social media. And to me, that's actually what's dividing us. I wish everyone, every human being, put themselves in the shoes of the other person, tried to look at it from someone else's perspective. We're so locked into our own perspective and we're so sure that we're right, but we can't all be right. I wish we would give each other a little more grace. What is love to you, Lisa? You are asking like the big questions of the world. Um, it's acceptance, it's respect, it's respect. It encompasses, again, not just the the joy, it encompasses the strong emotional states that come together. Um, I mean, it's, it's a feeling that is a constant, but it's not necessarily a romantic love. I mean, there's so many different kinds. It's that you'd be there for that person. Yeah, I'm not sure if that... I don't think that I'm wise enough to answer that. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I so love your wisdom already. I have two more warm-up questions. The next one is about inner peace. What is your understanding and idea of inner peace?
2: We are constantly listening to ourselves. We have this little voice inside our head that is, is always yelling at us. Even why you and I are having this interview, that little voice is always talking. And unfortunately, that little voice tends to be programmed to the negative. Inner peace to me is to find space between those words and to release that voice when it's not serving us. I want us all to talk to ourselves more and listen to ourselves less. Like when we speak to others, you and I speaking to each other, when we speak to our kids, our friends, we have great words of advice, right? We're we're great coaches and and friends. I want us to speak to ourselves that way, but then not listen to that voice that's not serving us. I know that's inner peace to me. It's more space. I love that answer, too.
0: (laughs) Love that answer. Right. And I'll be asking you more specific question about how to do that. (laughs) I have one more warm-up question that this one relates to God. What, where, and who is God to you?
2: I am not sure that I'm a believer in God. And yet I speak to someone or something every day. Something, I mean, I guess some people will call it a higher power. Maybe it's Mother Nature maybe it's energy. I do believe so much in the power of thought and prayer. So you'd think, why would you believe in prayer if you don't believe in God? But I believe that those prayers are putting energy out into the world. So I don't know that my definition of God can be defined, but I believe in energy and connection. Fair enough and beautiful
0: enough. I love that idea too. Do you somehow connect the idea of God to unconditional love?
2: Yeah, (laughs) I do. I mean, whatever it is, like I'm never, whatever, whoever I, I, you know, is it a what, a who that I'm speaking to, that I'm praying to, I'm never feeling judged. I am never feeling apologetic. Or shamed for decisions that I make because I do believe that whatever's in that energy is always accepting and knowing who I truly am. Yeah, yes, and yes. <laughs> so, how did
0: you become a writer, Lisa? <laughs>
2: I, you know, I've never considered myself to be a writer, but I'm an idea monkey. So when I talk about that little voice that's inside your head, I mean, since I've been a little girl that I've I've been talking to myself for a really long time and I have so many ideas and it's always in my heart to share those ideas wherever I'm at. And I always want to lessen the learning curve for others. Like whenever I figure something out, whatever it is, a better way to make toast, like I want to share it. And so in my books, I share what I figured out. And if I were to write a book a year later, it'll be different. Not because that was invalid. It's just those things might not be the same answers as I feel now. So I've certainly... I I write because writing is a release for me. I journal every single day. And it's without rules and it's unedited. And if somebody ever read my journal, they'd think it was written by a crazy person because I'm not writing it for anyone else. I'm not writing thinking someone's going to read it one day. Like I'm truly just releasing my heart. And I think that writing can be a great gift in that. What
0: was the intention of writing your book, The Empowered Mama? Well,
2: that one specifically, I felt compelled to write because as. I started my business because I wanted to be a mom first and foremost. And so I designed this whole business so that I could have a career that I could integrate with motherhood. And what happened was that the business took off, you know, it was nationally recognized on national media. And I ended up getting crazy, working a ton and not at all fulfilling the goal that I wanted to as far as being present for my kids or for myself. And so I... Kind of put a line in the sand and I redesigned and re-architected my life. I decided that only I get to hold the pen for how this looks and if I'm unhappy with the way my life looks, it's because I have allowed it to be that way. And so The Empowered Moment is me sharing how I redesigned my life and what I did different.
0: And we'll be talking about the, the first part of your book about self-love, basically self-care and all these amazing practices. But before that, talk to me for a moment about the fitformom.com. It's not a foundation, is it, Lisa?
2: It's a business. Um, So it's fitness for every stage of motherhood. It started not to be a business. I started it because I needed a community. I was a new mom 19 years ago and I knew about fitness because I was a fitness professional, but I knew nothing about motherhood and so many questions about nursing and sleeping. And so I started my first class called Stroller Strides, which is a stroller based workout where moms can work out with their babies in a stroller so that I could build this community. And apparently I wasn't the only one looking for that because it took off. And so it took off here in my hometown in San Diego. And then we ended up franchising the business. And so we now have 300 franchisees and we are so much more than Stroller Strides. We are Fit for Baby, which is our prenatal program. And we have programs like Body Back and Body Ignite. Really, we have programs for every age and stage of motherhood our goal is to help women find the strength in motherhood uh you know physically and emotionally and uh so now we're a nationwide program with almost 2000 class locations nationwide that shows the power of intention trying
0: to help others yourself and others that's such a beautiful thing In your book, you say there is no rules that says you have to give up your sense of yourself in order to be a mom. Talk to me about self-love, self-care, and how do we practice? How do we put this into practices daily?
2: Yeah, I mean... I think that almost every mom has heard that saying about that we're supposed to put the oxygen mask on us first, but nobody knows how to do it. Like Theoretically, I knew that I needed to do that. That was what I taught in my program. But when you're so busy and all you have to do is get your work done full-time and be a full-time mom on top of that, taking care of yourself, you feel like a martyr, like I can't do that. It took me a point of complete overwhelm and burnout to realize that I can't be the mom that I want to be or the business leader that I want to be or the wife that I want to be or the human being that I want to be if I don't take care of myself. And what that looked like before I became a mom, maybe that wasn't ever possible again, but that maybe that also wasn't needed again. And so what I started to look at is what is the minimum effective dose of self-care that I need? Like, for me, I know that I need to get seven hours a night of sleep. You know, eight hours is nice, but seven like is is a rule for myself. For me to know that I need to get into nature just a little bit every day. So that just could be just walking my dog. For someone else, it might be prayer or meditation, exercise. Um, but what are just a few things that are non-negotiable for you that that has to fit in? And the thing is, the reason why, I I can only speak for myself, but for many women who I've spoken to that we all say we want more balance, right? What that really means is we want more time for self. That's why we (laughs) feel out of balance is because we're doing everything, but there's never any time for self. So what I did was I rebuilt my schedule. So the time for self goes in first, and then the most important things go in after that. And then the things that trickle off are Social media, or watching Netflix, uh, online shopping—like, there are lots of things we fill our time with that are not as important as that core self-care.
0: You explain that. So the small things—it doesn't have to be big things like traveling somewhere for a whole month or something. Yes. <laughs> so it's very small things. I love that. Time management. This is such a um, interesting concept. Time management. Another thing you say that I really like is saying no,
2: learning to say no. I mean, we're all too full. We're all too busy. You know, there's nobody who is sitting on the couch. I shouldn't say nobody, but most of of the people who are looking for answers are not sitting on the couch, you know, eating bonbons. And so... As a new business owner, I said yes to everything, every single opportunity, because I felt like if I can, then I should. I soon learned that that is actually really not helpful. And so you need to prune what is not working for you in your life. I mean, I use the word prune purposefully, thinking about the gardening metaphor. If you have a rose bush and it's filled with tons and tons of roses, You are going to cut those off to create a bush that can sustain really big, beautiful roses. I can't sustain so many small ones. And it's the same thing for your life. What do you need to prune? Are there relationships that are not giving you energy, that are dragging you down? Are there time suckers? And so I love that saying, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no. And so uh, very much redesigned my life that everything that's on my schedule now are things that are a hell yeah. We're pretty close to it. That makes me think about limiting beliefs, believing that we don't
0: deserve certain things. Do you also teach them? How do we replace them? Or what do we do with those beliefs, limiting beliefs?
2: Yeah, I, I very much believe in that because that is that little voice inside your head. I call it a little gremlin that sits <laughs> on your shoulder, right? Yeah. That's saying you can't do this or you're not good enough or you're an imposter. And, and, and that little voice will keep talking to you even when you're a successful writer or business person or whatever, you know, accolade you're looking for, that little voice is still there. So the way to reprogram your brain is first to be aware of the little gremlin voice to say, okay, that's just a voice. That's not true. That is just my, my little psyche talking to me. But more importantly, so that's the first step is to be aware of it. This more important is to stop and to do a new voice and to reframe that limiting belief. Why not you? You know, and, and so every time you have a limiting belief, it might sound corny, force yourself to rephrase it in a powerful and empowering way. And what you're doing is you're training the brain in the same way that I might teach you how to train a bicep or your quadriceps. Mm -hmm. Like you are training these muscles and the more you do it, the easier it gets.
0: Mm. Yeah. I know you talk about changing habits, creating positive change. And it sounds like everything starts with the mind, the beliefs we hold. You also talk about values and finding purpose. Do you combine those two or how do you connect them, values and
2: finding purpose? Yeah, I mean, I think everything starts with your values. So, the reason why I was so miserable shortly after starting the company was because here, what were my top three things I valued? I valued health, I valued my relationship with my kids, I valued my marriage. But that was none of those things were where I was putting my energy. I was putting my energy into work and surviving, right? Um, and so anytime you are out of alignment with your values is when it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to get up and it doesn't feel good to get through your day. So um in the book I do an exercise where I have everybody write down all the values that you connect with and and there's a lot i mean and and there's so many shared ones okay you and i would have so many values that we share but then i'm going to ask you what are the top three things that you value and interestingly enough there's a lot of differences it's almost more like a um a thumbprint you know that the three that we choose is very much unique to us And from there, you design your purpose. From there, you figure out what your purpose is. I designed my life and my business around motherhood and being able to be there for my kids and being able to take care of my health. And so that helped kind of create my path like a compass.
0: I'm wondering what it feels like
2: when we are there, when we have found our purpose. It stops feeling so hard. It stops feeling so hard. Things start to flow more naturally. Nature, if you look at anything that happens in nature, anything that happens in nature, it flows. It doesn't work against itself. We work against ourselves all the time. So I think it's very much us tuning into our true nature. It should flow. And that doesn't mean that there's not hard parts. I mean, you know, The the strongest trees are the ones that have to endure the wind. So it doesn't mean that we don't face hard things, but we're not designing our lives to be hard. I love that idea
0: that we are nature. For some reason, we believe that we are apart from nature, but we are nature itself. Talk to me for a moment about
2: Parkinson's Law. I love this. So I, I I there's a big part of the book that talks about productivity because I value time so much. I think that time is so precious to us. I think every single day is so precious to us and yet we often waste it. So I'm always trying to figure out the best way to use time and Parkinson's law states that we will use the amount of time that is allocated to us. So if I told you that you needed to have a blog post written in the next 30 minutes, turn on a timer you would get it written in 30 minutes if i told you that you needed to get it written in the next day you would use the next day and so the concept with parkinson's law is start to allot yourself a reasonable amount of time to get the things done and so i use a timer a lot i use a timer when i'm social media email projects to know that your brain will like this to know that you're going to get it done within this time period I'm not saying it's a perfect system. I'm not saying that, you know, 20 minutes goes by and that blog post is always done. But you will be more efficient in that time and you're going to be much more aware of how you're using your time. That's something that I'm becoming
0: a lot more aware of. Yeah, not spending too much time trying to finish a specific task because I like putting an end (laughs) into something. So that's a great suggestion. Another thing you talk about in your book that I really love is meditation. So you have different kinds of meditation. Talk to me about that, Lisa.
2: Meditation is probably the one thing that is the most resisted that I teach that I wish that I could get all moms to try. Like for me, it has been so incredibly life-changing. I believe it increases my focus. I believe it increases my immune system. I think it increases my happiness. The list goes on and on. And I think that most people resist meditation because... They, I don't know if they're picturing monks in robes or uh-huh. sitting in lotus position for hours on end without having a thought. Uh-huh. And the uh-huh. interesting thing is, that is not possible. Uh-huh. Your brain is made to think, it is made to have thoughts. And every time you have a thought, it's kind of like dropping a pebble in a, a pond, it creates another thought. The idea with meditation, again, it has to do with training your brain, is just to actually here, do this with me right now. Like sit up nice and tall. And I want you to take a deep breath in and release it. And I just want you to focus on the in-breath and the exhale. All right. You just meditated. That was a meditation. Like it's just giving yourself an anchor. Sometimes that Anchor might be breath. Sometimes that anchor might be a sound, a mantra. There are so many different kinds of meditation. There's a lot of different kinds. We could do a whole podcast on it. Mm-hmm. Right. But the point is that it is a practice. And so you just sitting there for 15 seconds, that was already beneficial to you. And so just, just be. We're human, we're human beings. We're not human doings. Give yourself 10 minutes a day to just be. Um, And we're so lucky. There are so many incredible meditation apps right now that are free that you could, you know, there's Calm, Headspace. I I can give you a list of them for your show notes that like, try it. Like, it's the only thing that you can do that's guaranteed to give you benefits and has no harmful side effects.
0: I stopped here just for a few seconds and it feels different. I know. It's amazing. I'm going to do it now. (laughs) Yeah, how powerful it is. You also mentioned a, Quote from the, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Upanishads. Is that how you mm-hmm. pronounce it? Yes. Yeah, I love that too. Uh, do you have that in front of you? I do not. Did yeah. you even
2: have that in front
0: of me? <laughs> <laughs> You say your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, and then your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. And that's so true. We must become more aware of our thoughts, especially the thoughts, yeah, because they're so powerful. And our words too. We're almost at the end, but I have a few more questions for you. Why do we have this negative body image?
2: We are bombarded with artificial imagery. I mean, I am friends with many models. Um, like I have encountered many people who have done fitness modeling they don't look in real life like mm-hmm. they do in their magazine shoots mm-hmm. or on their instagram shoots we live in this highly curated filtered world i mean even ordinary people who don't do it professionally are doing this and it's not real and we have very few people who are showing like what it is to be a real body and that you can be healthy and you can be strong but I've been a fitness professional for 25 years and I know maybe five people who have six pack abs. Like some of it's genetic, some of it's that they eat only for fuel. You know, I'm I'm not discounting those five people by any means, but most people don't look like that. And yet that is what we idolize. You know, I'm I'm a mom to a 15-year-old and looking at her and all of her friends and what they watch on social media and what they encounter, like there's very little way to not have bad body image or harmful body image. So that's why I think that our role as moms is so incredibly important, like so important. D- just be careful of the words that you say. Do not put your body down in front of your kids. Wear the bikini that don't hide behind the big t-shirt. Like, you know, uh, be you and be real because they need that. They need those healthy role models. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes, yes. A thousand times until the end of the interview. <laughs> but the self-confidence, self-knowledge and uh, self-love ultimately. You also mentioned in your book the topic of failure and how to recover from failure. So I would love to ask you that question: How do we recover from failure? But before that, what is failure to you, Lisa? Wow,
2: well, it's different than it used to be because you know it used to be so defeating. You know, nobody likes to fail. Yeah. I have now gone through the practice enough that when I fail, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it feels good when you fail. Um, winning always feels better, right? Or succeeding always feels better. But now, when I'm in it. I realize every single failure is bringing me closer to where I'm trying to go. Every single failure has a gift in it. Every single failure has an opportunity in it. And what an incredible way to go through your time on this world, then your time in this life to celebrate it more. Like, I I, I think that parents should celebrate their kids' failures more. Like, you struck out today. Mm -hmm. Like... Mm -hmm. all good for you that you still got right back up there. Like, and you're going to do better the next time. I think succeeding is really awesome, but I think that succeeding is best done when achieved after failing. Um,
0: yeah, that's uh, one of my questions, really, too. How do you define success? What is to be successful? To be successful
2: is to get in alignment with your values and to go after what you want. And to achieve it in whatever journey looks like. I mean, to enjoy the ride along the way. And I know you talk
0: about, you give advice. It's beautifully uh, formatted, your book. You give us the opportunity to write and to think, to reflect. You have the healthy eating section exercise and all. Would you like to say anything about
2: this section? Um, you already know what to do. All of you already know what to do. I mean, I've never met a single woman who doesn't know that grilled chicken would be better for her than fried chicken. Like, um, we always want a magic pill. We always want to know what diet, but really in our hearts. And, and if you check check in with your energy and your intuition, your intuition knows what will fuel you. My suggest, this is not in the book, but my suggestion now is, Get clear on what fuels you, you know, what foods make you feel good, whether it's whole foods, fruits, vegetables, maybe you like grains, maybe you don't, what makes you feel good? And then we start to connect it to the brain part. So if you are struggling with your eating, make a plan for what you're going to eat for the next day, ideally the next three days. You know what's coming up, what is the plan, and when obstacles come in your way that you're thinking, no, oh, I really want to eat the chocolate chip cookie or whatever. I want you to play with it as a new challenge and realize you are going to be okay being uncomfortable for a moment. Like, why are you really wanting it? What is that really feeling? It's like, we want the easy out and that's the chocolate chip cookie. But maybe if we actually sat with the feeling for a moment, we could get a connection to, you know what, what I'm really feeling is lonely. What I'm really feeling is overwhelmed and that cookie isn't going to heal either of those things. So maybe I just need to call my girlfriend or maybe I just need to reorganize my schedule. Get in touch with your feelings about food and your food things will be figured out. Yeah.
0: So true. Get in touch with our feelings, our intuition, right? So true. You also talk about another powerful state of mind or state of being,
2: gratitude. (laughs) that's a powerful one. I think that people discount it because it seems too simple or seems cliche and, you know, it's something that we do at Thanksgiving and maybe you do a 30-day gratitude challenge in November or something like that. But... (laughs) I have a gratitude practice that I do two times a day. So I start my day with journaling where I make a list of everything I can think of to be thankful for. And I challenge myself to come up with some things that I have not given thanks for before, which is hard. Like, because if you do that every day, you start to run out of things. Um, But what that does is it forces me to run through all the things that I'm grateful for. And that is also how I fall asleep every night. And so instead of counting sheep, or instead of worrying about, my day, I think about the things I'm grateful for. And um, I truly believe that it sets the energy in your body. And I think it has a whole lot of other benefits. It's worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So true. I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, if you have it close to you?
2: There's a part about Wheel of Life um, that's making me think of We spend so much time, like, again, if you work or you're in business, you know, assessing how are things going? You know, you check on goals and you check how things are doing. We don't do that enough in our own life. Like, I would love to see everyone listening put on their calendar every quarter to take an unplugged day, to take a day off of work, to take a day off of social media meetings, all the things, and have it be your life check-in day. And do the wheel of life activity, which is an activity where you kind of check in and give yourself a score on how are you doing, you know, family, friends, financial health. And to really assess where do you have some low scores that you don't feel right about in an assessment. And we always want success to happen in a quantum leap, but it doesn't happen like that. It happens by taking small steps each day. Pick a three things in the next quarter you want to work on and you reverse engineer it and you figure out what steps you want to take to get there. This is your one and only precious life that I know of. Like, give yourself the time to check in on it and see how you're doing.
1: Yeah,
2: I love that idea. I actually had this
0: here because I love the title, The Wheel of Life. Yeah, that's such an inspirational title. Yes, so true. We don't do that. Often you made me think now and reflect a lot more. (laughs) I have to reassess everything (laughs) that I have been doing. What is to be strong? What is your definition of strength?
2: Resilience. I'm a fitness professional. So when you think about strength, you think about muscles and that they withstand force. They withstand pressure. That is strength in life, is, is being able to keep coming back. Um, and getting stronger despite what's being put in front of you.
0: Yes. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I've been designing
2: my life for a long time so that if today was the day that I would have very little regrets. That being said, there's always room for improvement. I would hug more, kiss longer, and get off of social media.
0: The last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I
2: know that it's worth it. I know that it's worth getting through and showing up and getting through the hard stuff. I know for sure that love is always the answer. I know for sure that In order to be your best self for anyone else, you first have to love yourself.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for your profound wisdom, your authentic presence and the peace that you emanate. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Lisa. I have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services and future
2: projects? Well, you can find out anything about fitformom.com. It's fit f i t and the number 4 mom.com. And I have a little website lisadrexman.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the things there. Thank you so
0: much again and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Well, bye for now.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lisa Druxman and her work, please visit fitformom.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit
0: fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.